We are launching a brand new series today, and I'm pretty excited. The series is called Headspace. Headspace, what's on your mind? How many of you know your mind is sort of a powerful, powerful instrument, right? Your, your mind can take you down some good paths, some paths of hope and courage and faith and, you know, success, or your mind can take you down some unsavory paths, some paths of failure and self-sabotage and fear and anxiety. The Bible has a lot to say about the mind, so we're going to spend the next few weeks exploring what the scriptures say about what's happening between our ears. Uh, Last Monday, I picked up my boys from school, and my boys had been asking me if we could go camping. Um, So I thought, you know, this is, you know, this is a good a time as any. So we scooped up the boys, just me and the boys, got our camping gear together, headed out to Babbler State Park, set up our tent, got our little fire going, got our little s'mores going, you know, hanging out with the boys, having the fireside chat. And then it was, you know, nighttime, so it's time to crawl in the tent and go to sleep. Now, I'm a person who, my sleep I'm kind of one of those guys that gets into the zone of sleep. Like, I I want my sleep, I want to be out when I'm sleeping. I don't like, so I get serious about sleep. I got, I've got eye masks that I use. And, and, you know, like if you go on a plane, they give you an eye mask. I keep all those. If you, if you don't want yours, I'll take it because, um, so I've got eye masks. I put in earplugs. You know, I mean, I get serious about the sleep. I turn out all the lights. I don't even like a computer light on. You know, that's just me. I just like, I want to be, I want to be out. But on this camping trip, unfortunately, because of the nature of the scurrying around and getting everything together, I had forgotten my, my accoutrement. I had forgotten my, what I needed for my sleep. I had forgotten my eye masks. I had forgotten my earplugs. I had even forgotten my pillow, which you don't want to forget when you're camping. And I had my, my air mattress because I like to camp, but not, you know, that much. Uh, so I had my air mattress and I had my, my little, um, pump that you plug into the car, you know, to plug into the air mattress and blow it up. So I plugged that into the car, flip on the, the pump. It just, and that was it. I smelt the little smell of burning something. That was the end of my pump. So now I've got no air mattress, no pillow, no eye mask, no earplugs. All right. So this is not going to be a good night for me. This is basically where I'm going with this. Um, this story actually has a point that ties in to the scripture. So if you're here and you're going, where's he going with this? Trust me. Just hang with me. Um, so we get into the tent. The boys and I get into the tent. And because they're little boys, they just, they just sort of flop down and then they're out. It's just over. They're just gone, you know, slobber and they're gone. But me, I, I kind of forgot how loud the woods are. The woods are kind of loud. There are tree frogs in the woods and there are crickets and, I don't know, locusts and other weird things rustling around and critters and stuff happening out there, you know. So I'm lying there in the tent with all this kind of croaking and noise and humming and buzzing going on. And I'm like, this is, not, this is not going well. But eventually, over time, I fell asleep. I had wadded something up under my head, you know, because I didn't forget my pillow. And, and so I, I start to fade off to sleep. But unfortunately, at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I know because I had to check my phone, at 2 o'clock in the morning, I heard a sound outside of my tent. And the sound, it, the sound was like a rustling in the leaves, now, there are a lot of things that can rustle in the leaves outside of your tent in the woods. But at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm not thinking straight. My mind is not working right. 
And so I start to imagine that whatever that thing is that's making the sound outside of my tent might be like, uh, I start to imagine like some kind of a swamp person coming up out of the creek (laughs) to come and rob the U-City folks who are in their tent out in the woods. And and like this, this kind of imagination kind of starts to blossom at two o'clock in the morning, right? So I'm starting to imagine, oh, maybe there's more than one. Maybe there's like two or three guys out there, and I'm starting to see them in my mind's eye, coming, creeping around the tent, and, and like, I don't know what they're going to steal, like propane canisters or something. I don't know what we have that they would want, but anyway, but in my mind, I'm thinking, dude, are there people outside of our tent right now? Now, I didn't want to wake up my boys because the, the, the thoughts that I'm having are actually, you know, impacting my emotions. I'm starting to feel my blood pump. I'm starting to get a little adrenaline rush because I'm thinking there's some, I think there's somebody outside of my tent. So I didn't want to wake up the boys because I didn't want them to see I was scared because then they would get scared and then this whole thing would spiral out of control. So I start doing this thing where I think if whoever's out there knows that there's a guy in the tent, then they will leave. So I start doing this like guttural male sound of just like, uh, like, like that's what I started doing in my tent. So if the boys wake up, I'll just act like I'm asleep and it'll be cool. But, but if they're out there, then they'll, but when I do that, the sound stops. So now I'm more convinced. Uh Oh, and I, in my mind, I see like, I see like a group of swamp people doing the mannequin challenge outside of my tent, like standing there going, wait, he's awake. And when he goes back to sleep, then we'll go and do whatever we're going to do. So so uh, this, this thought is starting to magnify. It's starting to, it's starting to, to go a little, you know, blossom a little further at 2 o'clock in the morning. And so I always have this thing with me when I go camping, which I feel like you should take with you when you go camping, especially if you, if you grew up watching Rambo like I did. So I have a, a big old Bowie knife that I bring with me. I don't know what it's for. Like if I'm gonna, maybe I'm going to whittle some wood or who knows. But I always have the Bowie knife when I go camping. So I'm thinking, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get my Bowie knife, and I'm going to get my flashlight on my iPhone, and I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to, I'm going to look these swamp people in the eye, and I'm going to tell them to get on out of here, right? So that's my thought process at 2 o'clock in the morning. So I get my iPhone. I unsheath my Bowie knife. I go, and I unzip the tent flap, and I leap outside into the camp. I've got my sneakers and my drawers and my Bowie knife and my iPhone, and it's like right about then it hits me. Um, there's nobody in your camp, dude. Uh, you may have had a chipmunk run through your camp. Uh, there may have been a raccoon, but I've woken up now enough to know how foolish I must appear to thank God no one, because no one is there, standing there with my Bowie knife and my drawers and my sneakers and my iPhone. And it's about that time I just turned off the phone and Resheathed the Bowie knife and went back to bed, right? Ridiculous story, ridiculous story, but it brings home a, an important point, and that is this that the thoughts you entertain will determine the life that you experience, okay? Now, this is a one off, bizarre, crazy thought that I had, but the emotions that it evoked were real, and the actions that it evoked were real, even though the thought was false. The thought was crazy. The thought was nonsense, right? You and I have thousands of thoughts that go through our mind every day. Tens of thousands of thoughts that go through our mind every day. And when we are living out our experience, 
We're living it out in terms of the thoughts that we've had. Everything that you're experiencing in your life has been impacted by your thoughts. The school that you are attending or not attending was impacted by a thought that you had at some point prior in your life. The job that you are in right now was impacted because of a thought that at some point you had. The person you are dating right now, that began somewhere, at least in part, from a thought in your mind. The person with whom you're about to break up today, right? (laughs) Who doesn't know you? Who's sitting beside you right now? So don't move. Uh, No, everything in our life begins with a thought. And then our thoughts impact our emotions. And then our emotions impact our actions. And then our actions transform our circumstances. How many of you have any circumstances in your life right now that you would like to change or you would like to see altered in some way, right? Those circumstances start with a thought. We all have thoughts in our mind that can lead us down a path of strength and hope and faith and love and courage or that can lead us down all forms of different paths. And the scripture talks so much about our thought life that I really, my hope for you over the next several weeks is that you'll come and be a part of this series. Because I think more than possibly any other series that we've done uh, this year, you will you will experience a transformation in your circumstances if you can transform the way you think. If you can, have, if you can change the way that you think about things, you're going to experience different emotions, you're going to experience different actions, and then the results are going to be changed. And, and that is something that I think, from a very practical standpoint, you will experience more from this series than almost any other series we've done. So I want to take a moment and start with what the Scripture says about our thoughts. And we're going to be exploring tons of scripture over the next several weeks about our thought life and about what's going on in in our mind. Um, But I want to start with a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. And the circumstance in which he wrote the letter was that he was in jail, locked up, awaiting execution, possible execution, awaiting his sentence in a Roman jail. And yet he wanted us to know how to think. He wanted us to know what to think about and how to think. And so he wrote this letter. Uh, and it's in, found in the book of Philippians. And here's what he says. He says, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or if anything is praiseworthy, think about those things. I want you to dwell on those things, meditate on those things, concentrate on those things. And then he said, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Here's what the apostle Paul is saying. He's saying our mentality affects our reality. The way we think has an impact on the way we live. The way we think and the things that we dwell on and the thoughts that we entertain are going to determine the life that we experience. Those things that you allow into your mind and you allow to to steep in your mind and to stew in your mind and to percolate in your mind, those thoughts will have long-term impact on your emotional life, then on your actions and behavior, then on the circumstances in which you find yourself. And it all begins right here, which is why the Bible, you see over and over in the scripture, God working really hard to change people's minds. 
God can do anything, right? God can change circumstances. God can move in by the, by the hand of God and transform all kinds of circumstances. But what he will not do is he will not force you to change your mind. He will not force you to think differently. So we see over and over in the scripture, we see a God who is coaxing and leading and, and, and influencing and encouraging people to think differently. I'll give you an example. Moses. He comes to Moses in the burning bush and he says, Moses, I want you to go down to Pharaoh and I want you to set my people free. I want you to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And if you remember in the story, Moses kicks back. He pushes back. He says, God, I can't do that. Here are his thoughts. I'm not smart enough. I'm not capable. I stutter. I have a speech impediment. I have no influence. I'm not the guy for you. I've been wandering around out here in the desert for 40 years. I can't do it. And so there's this long argument between God and and, and Moses where God is going, Moses, I need to change your mind. I need you to understand that I'm with you. I I need you to understand that I'm empowering you, that I will protect you, that I will lead you, and that I will guide you, right? Gideon. The, the scripture says that the Lord comes to Gideon, the, that the, the man who was supposed to free God's people. And he comes to Gideon and he says, Gideon, you're a mighty warrior and I want you to go free my people. And Gideon immediately says, you got the wrong guy. His thoughts are, here are his thoughts. He expresses them. I'm the weakest in my clan. I'm the clan's the weakest in our tribe. Our tribe's the weakest in all of Israel. I can't do it. I'm not your guy. And so God has to coax him and convince him. And throughout the story, Gideon has all these tests. God, I'll lay out a fleece. And if you make the fleece wet and the ground dry, then I'll believe you. God does it. Okay, well, let me try it this way. It, can I make the fleece dry and the ground wet? God does it. And so God is trying to convince him over and over to change his thoughts in his mind because that's going to change his heart, which is going to change his actions, which is going to change his circumstances. Are you with me on this? The children of Israel. God says, I want you to go into the land of Egypt. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. I've already designed it. I've already pre, pre-set it. I've predetermined it. That's the place for you to go, right? They go, they look at the land, they come back, they say, we can't do it because we're very small and they're very big. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. It's all in their mind. It's all in their mind. And so for 40 years, they wander around the wilderness and God is trying to change their mind. God wants to change some thought patterns in your heart and in your mind today because if you allow him to change your thoughts, then it'll change your experience, it'll change your emotions, which will change your actions, which will change your life. It begins in your mind. It begins in the thoughts that you are thinking. This is a biblical principle that you see all over the scripture. You see it everywhere in the scripture. It, 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 it's amazing if you start looking at the passage of scripture, how often it comes up. But it's, it's one of these things that has now become part, uh, sort of a staple uh, of psychology and, and uh, psychological practice. There was a guy named Aaron Beck in the 1960s, uh, a psychologist who, d- who had all these patients who were experiencing what he called floods or streams of negative emotion. And they were having emotions, negative emotions about themselves, about the world around them, other people, and about their future. And so he was experiencing these patients that had anxiety and depression and all these different kinds of mental health challenges and mental health struggles. And what he discovered is it all started with the thoughts that they were having. And so he developed this entire theory around this called cognitive behavioral therapy, right? CBT is is what it's called. And and, and it's all directed at, at trying to to grab and assess the thoughts that you're having because if you can assess those thoughts, then you can transform the emotions and then you can transform the actions. Here's what it looks like. It, this, is the, this is the simple version, all right, because I'm visual. So the thoughts impact, impact the emotions, which impact the actions, which then in turn impact the thoughts. 
So there was a, I'll give you an example. There was a young woman that I spoke to, and this is several years ago, who had gone through incredible trauma in her childhood. She had been uh, physically and sexually abused by someone that was meant to be a person that she could trust. And so this happened when she was younger, and then it, it started really impacting her life in her 20s. And she had a prevailing thought in her mind that she didn't know it came from the trauma. She just, it was just a thought in her mind. She wouldn't even have been able to pinpoint it um, uh, earlier in her life. But as she got older, she was able to pinpoint it. And the thought was this, my life has no value. That was the thought, the prevailing thought in her mind. My life has no value. That thought came because she had been treated as if she had no value. And so she developed a thought in her mind that said, I have, my life has no value, right? That affected her emotions. Her emotions then became despondency and shame and guilt and self-condemnation and self-loathing and anxiety and fear. She became a very, very paralyzed person in life because her emotions were so overwhelmingly negative, so overwhelmingly bad, but they were based on this thought that said, my life has no value, right? So the actions then that, that, that poured out of the emotions were that she put herself in circumstances where she was not valued because she believed she had no value. She felt that she had no value. And so she acted like she had no value. She ended up in relationships where people didn't value her. She ended up in abusive relationships. She ended up experiencing uh, addiction, drug and alcohol addiction. She kept putting herself in experiences that seemed to prove the truth of the thought that she originally had. And it just became a cycle, right? Because now that she's in this bad relationship, she's being treated poorly. She's addicted. And so she goes, see, my life has no value, right? That informs the thought, which informed the emotion. It became a cycle for her. And her life was spiraling out of control. Fortunately for her, God got a hold of her life at some point and started speaking a different truth in her life, which is, I love you. I've always loved you. Your life has value. You're my child. I want you to flourish. You're beautiful. I mean, the true thoughts started pouring into her life. Those thoughts then began to affect her emotions, right? If you're loved unconditionally by God and you know that and you believe that, that changes the way you feel. It makes you feel confident. It makes you feel courageous. It makes you feel valued and important. And so then you start acting differently. You start respecting yourself. You start respecting other people. It transformed her life. Why? It started here. It started in her thought life, right? Now, this may not be your experience. That's a, an extreme example. Some of you have, that may be your experience. But, but all of us have thoughts that are not necessarily true, that inform our life and can sometimes prohibit and inhibit us from experiencing our full potential. We may not be experiencing traumatic emotional trauma or, or, you know, or we may be, but all of us are, 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 are struggling with thoughts in our own mind. And when we struggle with those thoughts, it can prevent us from fulfilling the potential that God has for us. I, I do it. In fact, every time I preach, every time I preach, it seems like I experience the thing that I'm going to preach about that week. You know what I mean? So like I'm getting ready to preach on, you know, your thought life and, you know, headspace and how you can, you know, change your thoughts and it'll change your life, right? But about midway through the week, I start going, man, 
I don't know if I'm going to be able to articulate this the right way. I don't know if I'm going to be able to say this in a way that's going to make sense to people. You know, I, I understand it in my mind, but I just don't know if I'm going to be able to, to, to like get it across. And will it actually work for, in people's, will they, will they understand what I'm talking about? Or will they just be staring at me like I'm a crazy person? Maybe I am a crazy person. I don't know. God, was, you know. Um, so I, I talked to my wife, which is what I do. Whenever I feel crazy, I talk to my wife because she's more sane, far more sane than me. And so, so I start talking to her about this and I'm going, you know, and then I don't know, will it, can people understand what I'm talking? And, then, and she goes, hey, preacher, why don't you practice what you preach? You know, hey, why don't you, why don't you get a hold of those thoughts? Because those thoughts aren't true, right? So I said, well, why don't you try to preach and see how easy it is? Um, and then, no, I didn't say that. Um, I just said it, but. Um, so it, it, all of us struggle with it. You struggle with it. I struggle with it. All of us on a daily basis are thinking thoughts that are not right. They're not true. They're not praiseworthy. They're not excellent. You know, we're all doing that every day. Every day. So imagine what we could experience in our life and the, and the things that we could change in our life and the things that would change about us if we actually got a hold of this idea over the next several weeks and we really embraced it and we really adopted it and we said, I, need to, I, I want the, the thoughts in my heart, in my mind to be transformed so that the emotions in my heart can be transformed, so that my actions can be transformed, so that my circumstances and the world around me can be changed, right? So the question is, how do we do that? How do we actually take those steps? And the scripture gives us some really, really fundamental, basic principles, some very practical steps uh, that will show us how to do it. And the first one is this, we capture. Scripture talks about we capture. We capture the thought, all right? We, we, what that means is we stop and we observe the thought. If you're feeling depressed or anxious or angry or bitter or envious or lustful or jealous or whatever the thing is that you're experiencing, pause. What's the thought? What is the thought? The scripture says this. Paul says this. It says we take captive every thought. We had, when I lived in LA, we, the water supply wasn't great there. And so everybody either drank out of bottled waters, but that cost like an arm and a leg to drink bottled water all the time. So everybody would get these Brita filters. I don't know if you've ever seen these. A Brita filter. And it's a filter that's, it's a, it's a pitcher that's got a filter on the top. So you fill it up with water and then you pour it out, but the water goes through a filter before it comes into the glass. So all of the uh, impurities are trapped, they're captive, they're held captive by the filter so that the water is pure, right? That's what, that's what we are called to do with our own minds. I call it the brain strain. We need a strain, we need a colander in our mind, right? That will strain out, that will capture those thoughts that are not the, the, the thoughts that are supposed to be there. And we stop and we look at them and we examine them, right? And we observe them. Some of you may, may want to even write them down. I, at a particularly tough time in my life, when I was experiencing a, a flood of thoughts that were not helping me get to where I wanted to go, I, I literally carried a notebook with me and stopped, and I would write down the thought, right? Because the reason that we want to capture the, the, the thought is that we want to compare the thought to what the Scripture teaches us. Go to that next slide. Compare the thought. What we're doing is we're comparing the thought to what the Apostle Paul said. Is this thought right? Is this thought true? Is this thought worthy of praise? Is this thought excellent? Right? If you can take this thought and hold it up against the light of Scripture, now how does it fare? 
Is it still a thought that you want to embrace? Is it still a thought that you want to adopt? Is it still a thought that you want to affirm in your life, right? Or not? I, I can, I know the, the, the big sort of pushback, and a lot of people think this, is that I can't control all the thoughts that come into my mind, right? I got thoughts that just come into my mind. I didn't invite them. I didn't ask them. I didn't send them an invitation. They just showed up in my mind, right? That happens to all of us, okay? Now listen, I can't control who knocks on my door, but I can, I can control who I invite in for dinner, okay? So, so when a thought comes to your mind, that doesn't mean that the thought now is just, it's just, you, it's gotta be there. It's gotta stay there, right? You can actually look at that thought, hold that thought, observe that thought, compare that thought to the truth that God tells you, right? And then the next step is, well, the scripture actually says we take, every, uh, every, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we're, we're comparing it to what, to what Christ says, to what the Apostle Paul says, to what Scripture says, right? Because if it's not true, and if it's not pure, and if it's not right, and if it's not excellent, right, then we correct it, which is the next one. We correct the thought. What this means is we, in, in some instances, we get rid of it. In some instances, it just needs to be revised, right? Because here's the way thoughts work. Here's the way you, you have God thoughts. These are the thoughts that, that come from the scripture, that come from God, that we look at all the time. They're, the Bible is full of them about who God is, who you are, and what you are in him, and your value and your worth, and that's all great, right? But there are also thoughts that come from the enemy of our soul. The Bible calls him the accuser, the accuser of the brethren, Right? The enemy of your soul wants you to believe thoughts that aren't true. But our enemy is not stupid. He's intelligent. He's smart. So he's not going to come up and, and, and just throw a bold-faced lie at you because he knows you won't believe it, right? But what he will do is he'll take a kernel of truth and distort it and exaggerate it, right? But there's an element of truth in it, and so you buy it. And so you swallow it, right? The woman that... that uh, that I had been speaking with, there was the element of truth in her story is her life was not good. Her life was not where she wanted it to be. Her life was not displaying the kind of hope that she hoped to have. Her life was not on track, right? That's the kernel of truth. But the distortion is, therefore, your life is worthless. Therefore, your life has no meaning. Therefore, your life has no value, Right? So, so the enemy is feeding her a, a, a small kernel of truth wrapped in a big lie, right? The, the, one, of the, one of the most fascinating people in the Bible, King David, was amazing in the sense that he displayed almost more than anyone. You start to look at the stories. You start to see how, how his mind worked because there were moments where David tracked right along with what God wanted, wanted him to think, which then led him to what God wanted him to feel, which then led him to what God wanted him to do, right? But there were other moments where David had some thoughts that were not appropriate, and it led him to feel certain things and then do certain things that actually led his life off into a spiral. In fact, the scripture tells us the, the moment where King David, and this is the same guy who slew the giant and did all the amazing things, one day he's out on the roof, and he glances across and he sees a woman, and he has a thought, and the thought is, I want her for myself. This is not his wife, somebody else's wife. It's 
one of his friend's wives. And he looks at it and he says, I want her for myself. That's the thought. The thought led to an emotion, desire, lust, whatever you want to call it, lust for power, um, you know, hubris, pride, whatever. And so he has this emotion. And so then the action is he goes and gets that wife. He goes and gets that woman, right? Which then led to the murder of her husband, which then led to the death of his son, which just turned into a fiasco. His life literally started to unravel, but it began with a thought. It began with a thought in his mind that he embraced. He didn't evict the thought. The question is, do you invite the thought in for dinner or do you send the thought packing, right? Here's what the scripture says. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So there are some thoughts that we want to embrace and affirm. And then there are some thoughts that we just want out of here. They just got to go. They've got to be evicted. You got to hand them in the notice and say, you're gone, right? Because once we have done that, once we have captured the thoughts, we've compared them, right? We've corrected them. Then we've got, we've got God thoughts in our heart. What we do, the scripture says, is that we concentrate on those thoughts. That's where we come back to the scripture. We meditate on the thoughts. We focus on the thoughts. Those things that are pure. Those things that are lovely. Those things that are excellent. Those things that are praiseworthy, right? We focus and we meditate on those thoughts, David in the first Psalm says this. He says, blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night. Because here's why. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. The thing is, we can transform our lives if we will allow God to transform and renew our minds. When we allow him to renew our minds, transforms our hearts, transforms our actions, transforms our world, right? The thoughts that you entertain will determine the life that you experience. Whatever those are, I'm gonna close with this. Um, My son gave me permission to tell this story. Jameson is uh, eight years old and Jameson uh, and, and our family, we were, we were on vacation uh, a few weeks back. We were in Arizona. And Jameson, we were at a pool. Jameson really wanted to dive off of this diving board at this pool. He like really wanted to, to, to like dive off it. He had learned to dive off the side of the pool. He had, you know, but he hadn't ever, he hadn't made the dive off the diving board. So I happened to be sitting by the pool and Jameson would walk up and he would go to the edge of the diving board and he would look down and then he would turn around and he'd walk away. And he would go back, do it again, and he'd turn around and walk away. And I'm sitting there watching the whole thing and I'm just, I'm just like, just watching it play out for a minute, you know? So finally I get up and I go over to him and I go, hey, what's going on, man? He goes, well, I really want to dive off this diving board. And I go, okay, well, why don't you go ahead and dive off the diving board then? He goes, I can't, I can't do it. And I go, why not? He goes, I, I just don't know. I just, I, I can't do it. I cannot do it. You know, his mind told him that he couldn't do it and he believed it. And so I, I, I you know, I, I sort of kneeled down and I, and I started to talk to him. And I kind of thought back because this is, he's done this. He's done this before. So I said, Jameson, I don't know if you remember, but before you learned how to ride a bike, you told me I can't ride a bike. You told me that because I remember you told me that. I remember. I'm your dad. 
And before you could do multiplication, I remember you told me, I can't do multiplication. And actually at the YMCA, I remember before you could swim, you got really upset and you set off the side of the pool because you said, I can't swim. I said, now, Jameson, you ride your bike all over the neighborhood. You do multiplication like a wild man, like better than your dad, honestly, for real. And um, what was the third one? Yeah, you swim. You can swim. Swim like a fish. I said, so maybe, maybe, maybe this, this thought that you're having is this thought that keeps coming up in your mind, but, but maybe it's not true. Maybe it's, maybe it's not a true thought because every time that you think it's true, it turns out to not be true. So I'm just saying, maybe you don't believe that thought. And he's looking at me like with big, big eyes so I can see. He always does this when he's like getting, when it's coming through. So I knew it was time to back off, right? If I had a, a little waterproof microphone, I would have just dropped it like that and just been like, dad moment, amazing. So I go back. There aren't a lot of those, so I'm going to talk about them when they happen. Um, so I go back. I go back to my, my, my chair over here. And I watch him and, you know, just his little mind, you can just see it. His little wheels are spinning around. Finally, he comes over here, goes like this, gets in his little pose, poosh, perfect dive right in the pool. I mean, you want to talk about a happy kid, right? But it all started with something changed in his mind. Something changed in his mind. He could always do it. He just didn't know he could do it. Today, some of us are experiencing thoughts in our mind that God wants to transform. He wants to change them. To, to not only just get us out of trouble, but to get us towards our potential. To get us to where he really wants us to be. But we've got to open up and allow him to change our minds. We've got to turn our hearts. The Bible says, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind. Right? You've got you to gotta give it to him. Because he's got things for you, but you've got to believe him. You got to put your trust in him. You got to allow him to transform those thoughts in your mind. What does that look like when we do it together as a church community? My Lord, if we as a church family, as a spiritual community, allowed God's thoughts to enter our mind and transform us, man, not only would there be harmony and peace and love and unity and power in this house, but my God, it would spill out all over the place. It would pour out all over the place because the thoughts that we entertain determine the life that we experience. And God has a life for us that is far beyond anything that we can think, hope, or imagine if we'll turn our hearts and our minds over to him. Close your eyes and bow your heads if you will. I know there are people here today that are experiencing some of the things we've talked about. They're experiencing guilt and condemnation and fear and anxiety and dread, and anger, and bitterness, and lust, and jealousy, um, envy, all all the kinds of things that that can enter a person's mind. And I just want to pray today that whatever that is for you, I want to pray that you would just capture that thought. Compare it to what God says about you. Correct that thought. And then start to to focus on and concentrate and meditate on 
the words of God, those things that are true, those things that are right, those things that are pure, those things that are worthy of praise, those things that are excellent, because God can transform our lives if we will give him our minds. Father, I pray right now that every single person in this room uh, would hear you speaking, Lord, through your word. Whether I've been able to to say it the right way, God, I, I pray that you would say it in their hearts, that you would let this word of truth land in their hearts today in a powerful and profound way. God, I pray that, that lives would be literally changed today. People with, with addictions would, would, would lose those addictions, God, by a transformation in the way they're thinking. I pray, God, that relationships that are on the rocks, relationships that are troubled, and, and relationships that are wounded because of, of, of words spoken and thoughts thought and feelings felt, God, that you would reach in and transform those relationships today. By the power of your spirit, we believe in you. God, I pray that that students here today would be empowered, Lord, to fulfill their potential as they pursue their degrees and go after the college uh, that you've you've put them in and and that they they wouldn't be anxious and nervous and scared and and full of anxiety, but that they would be empowered and courageous and confident in you. God, I pray for those that are working jobs and, and pursuing careers. And I pray for moms who are trying to raise babies and kids. And God, I, just, I pray for, for folks all across our congregation, Lord, that you would reach into our hearts and you would reach into our minds and you would start to transform us in the way that we think so that we can actually fulfill the potential that you've placed in us, God. God, I ask, Lord, that everything that we do and say today here would bring honor to you would bring glory to you, God. And may you be praised in this house today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.